You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. You're listening to the unsponsored version of Corn Feed. Roll with me, Logan. He theology. Alright everyone, Pastor Sean here, Pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in the Des Moines Metro. We're back at it with another Cornfield Theology. We're not sponsored yet, or we're not sponsored at this time. Maybe we have been sponsored in the past. Can we retroactively be sponsored? I don't know. How does that work? I have no idea. We can find someone in marketing. Marketing! <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll pay someone for that, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that. Also, that intro reminded me why you do not lead worship. <laughs> yeah, fact check true. Oh, that was a bad note. Oh man. Well, how you doing? I'm doing good. What's new in the news? Uh, I really try to stay away from the news. Oh, uh, does it make you angry? I'm sometimes or cynical or cynical, but I'm honestly, I'm just, I'm more happy by not looking yeah. at the news, which I guess makes me uninformed. But I did see uh, the AOC thing, which was really funny. What AOC thing? Uh, the Matt Walsh. Uh, oh, what the thing. ultimate troll job that was ever? Really, yeah. Was I think regardless of like what side you're on in terms of politics, like, I haven't. It's been a while since I've seen a better troll than that. I'll give it the context. Okay, so. so basically, AOC was mentioned that her abuela, I think, abuela, is, I mean, from Puerto Rico. Yeah, grandmother. She was her, a picture of. I think it was a picture of maybe AOC with her grandmother. No, her. it was a picture of the the house. Oh, okay. So okay. basically, the the Puerto Rico got hit by a storm, I believe. In it was a hurricane. Yeah, yeah, hurricane. Yeah. And the house had a roof collapse, and AOC was saying like, essentially blaming Trump for not uh, sending funds to Puerto Rico. And people were pointing out that AOC just recently bought, like, a very expensive Tesla. I think she leased the Tesla. Yeah, and, like, monthly p- payments are, like, $499. Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. so why don't you give money take to care her and take care yeah. of her? So then Matt Walsh started to go fund me. <laughs> Which was brilliant. To give money. I don't to listen me. to him, but I just saw it on Twitter, and I'm like. Yeah. And then and then the AOC camp's like, we don't, we don't want your money. Yeah. So, of course, that's how it was going to play out. But Sure, sure. Uh, but, politics. Yeah, okay, funny. now I understand why you don't really watch the news. Right. Yep, that's exactly you know, why. <laughs> uh, a couple things, um, and not news-related in terms of you know national global news. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. A couple things going on there. One, I got COVID. So, that put me, like, that put me, this is what COVID did to me. It took me behind the woodshed and just, you know, took took a bat to me. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Took off its belt. Like, uh, yeah, it was it was it was not pleasant. See, uh, and and because I was with you, I also tested for COVID, and I yeah. got positive, and then no symptoms. Yeah, you're doing great. Lucky, and, lucky. And, yeah, I mean, I'm convinced it was a false positive. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I yeah. There's so many. I mean, in light of all the advancements that have taken place, you know, probably in the last year and a half, in terms of vaccines and things like that, um, some people would say they're advancements, and I think there's some merit to say that these is te- technological breakthroughs. Vaccines sure. are technological. Um. But there's still so many questions yeah. that exist and whatever else have you. Not to strike fear. I, I I choose not to live in fear in the midst of all this. Yeah. I'm just convinced not I'm just dumb, the, just not fearful. Yeah, I'm I'm just convinced that I'm just the picture of health. So <laughs> uh, I love you, man. Uh but I'm doing better. I'm still uh I, I people have asked me at church, like, you know, because I'm back and um, you know, I don't I don't uh we're good. My my uh um, my fever, you know, broke like a week and a half ago or whatever. And, 
but this is what COVID did to me. It's like when your battery dies in the winter. Okay. And you're just, your battery, your battery, car battery is completely out of energy. And so if you have a charger at, at home, you do, you can do a couple things. The charger has several settings. Um, one setting is like the, the shock paddles. Let's just get the battery going. You know, that's like one a setting. Jump start. Like a jump start. Like let's just get it going. Another setting is like kind of, you know, let's just over 24 hours. Let's just get some juice in there. It's just better for the battery that way. Another one's called the trickle charge, which you just, you know, put that um, charger on the battery for like several days. Hmm. And over time, slip, you know, small amounts of energy, get back into the battery. And that's kind of where I'm at. Um, wipe me out. And then every day more energy kind of comes back and, you know, and by God's grace, you know, we're doing just fine. So my wife got it as well. And, you know, quite the, uh, quite the event. That's for sure. Quarantined for the requisite time, according to the CDC, because the CDC has always been right on everything. You're not going to touch that one. <laughs> nope. Nope. I am happy. I'm staying away. Yeah, good call. You're a better person than me. Despite despite the uh, flip flopping over the last year and a half um, yeah. that has taken place with the CDC, we did follow their recommended guidelines, and that was that was for us, but also for other people as well, especially those who would take that more seriously than us, whom I would respect. So we decided to go ahead and um, do everything the right way, you know, perceiving perceivingly the right, right way. Yeah, I mean, for the sake of the church. Yeah, exactly. So we were happy to do that. Um, all that has nothing to do with today's topic. Not at um, all. But that was just an explanation of where we've been. Yep. You know, and just getting getting on the mend. Uh, but today we are back in our confession of faith as a church. We believe in a confession of faith. Uh, for those of you who haven't tracked it and you're just kind of dialing into this one for the first time, we've put out uh, sections one, two, and three, and basically explaining what do we believe as Redemptional Church. Now, full disclosure, these opinions are ours. Right. We don't speak on behalf of our denomination. I always try to make that very clear. Um, but we agree upon these uh, sections as a denomination. But as we're going to see today, especially today, there's a significant amount of nuance. Yeah, very where, different. Where we have, I think, you know, we're going to talk about creation, mm -hmm. section four. And in section four, what we see here is that you have a ro robust evangelical beliefs about creation. But there are some other people, some people are going to look at this and be like, well, what do we do with day? Yeah. Literal, literal 24 hour days. Is it not? You know, we'll talk about that. Um, what do we mean when we talk about ex nihilo, God created out of nothing? You know, there's conversations concerning that. Um, you know, we got the whole creationism, intelligent design mm -hmm. slash evolution conversation. You know, you have, you have Christians who are theistic evolutionists, which right. I would deny, but you have that camp that exists. So there's a lot to talk about in the midst of the confession as well. So we, the, the challenge we're going to run into is that we want to stick to the pertinent elements of the confession, but also realizing we'll, uh, we'll occasionally make a sub point and dialogue around that sub point for a moment so that people understand how these other conversations are connected to the overall conversation of, mm -hmm. of creation. Yeah. And I think it's going to show that like, especially with creation, brothers can disagree. Absolutely. Cause we have two different interpretations of creation. Yeah, we do. And we'll explain that. So, uh, what we're going to do, if you go to like the section four of our statement of faith, uh, there are three points, which is a lot shorter than the last one we did on God's decree, right? which was much more uh, robust in terms of the writing and ex explanation. Here, shorter points. So what we're going to do is walk through each point one at a time. We'll dialogue about some of the pertinent information that's in those points and then some scripture that helps support 
that particular point as well. Does it make sense? Yeah. Let's go about it that way. Yeah. You know what else I got during COVID? What did you Poison get? Ivy. Yeah. Randomly. Now that, I got to tell you, of all the things that have happened to me in the last like three weeks, that one's just like, really? Poison Ivy? All yeah. I mean, you should yeah, know man. better. They, they, they teach you what it looks like in school. I man. know. And I live on a farm. Oh, Gotta man. watch out for that stuff. Anyways, All right. I digress. All right. Let's point, get to it, man. Point one. Point one. You want to go ahead and read that point for us, Logan? Yeah, absolutely. So, in the beginning, it pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the demonstration of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness to create or make out of nothing the world and all the things in it, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. All very good. And that very good is repeated mm. in Genesis 1. God created, it was good. God created, it was good. God created, it was good. God created, you see the pattern, you know, mm-hmm. it was good. Granted, I think it was only at the end, at the completion of right. creation, of the, it was very, very, very good. good. Yeah, good point. Very good. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you. So we had mentioned, uh, you know, God created out of nothing. Yep. Um, that is ex nihilo, Latin for out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be a stark contrast to, say, um, some evolutionary points where nothing was created out of nothing. Right. Right. Uh, what we're saying here is that there's a, a grand uh, designer behind everything who brought everything into existence. So before Genesis 1-1 was ever written, before Genesis 1-1 ever took place, historically speaking, you had the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, living um, and coexisting with one right. another perfectly and in right. love. And um, God created. There was nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom. Yep. Something. And it's it stands in contrast to what some people believe, which is what that not only was God eternal, but the universe itself was eternal, right. but not organized. Right. And so what Genesis is, is just the organization of creation. Right. We're not saying that. Right. There was literally nothing. Well, uh, are, oh. you, are you, uh, where'd you, where'd you hear that view from? I think I read it in seminary. Okay. Okay. So here's that view in a nutshell. Okay. And, uh, class time with Pastor class, Sean. So in the beginning, uh huh. You have this, you know, this Hebrew word, and there's some debate around what this word means. Okay. Does that word literally mean there's a, a specific starting point in which the author wrote, and then from that point forward, we have God at work? Or does in the beginning mean something something that happened in eternity past that already took place? And so, and then you move forward with the creation account. What we have is not necessarily, this isn't, this is, does not exclude crea- creating ex nihilo. Okay. At all. And that's still a point that's in there. But is what's taken place, the organization of the garden. See what I'm saying? Yep. So we're getting already into like if it, the days are literal or not. Right. Why? Well, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> um, but you see what I'm saying? There's, there's a contrast. And so where I get some of this from, and it's, you know, I'm dating, not dating myself as much as um, people are going to go look it up right away. And that's fine. I, John Selhammer. Um uh, yeah, so I read up several of his books. The meaning of the Pentateuch is, is magnum opus. Um, he wrote a book specifically on Genesis, mm-hmm. um, a couple books specifically on Genesis, one specifically on creation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a Hebraist. He's, he's deceased now. So he's, he's working specifically with the text. Mm-hmm. And so he brings a very nuanced perspective to what was actually going on in days one to three and then days four to six. Okay. 
don't know, man. As as someone that got a D in Hebrew, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna politely disagree for now. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So I'll just make mention of it. I I there are merits of his argument that I find extremely compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, like the one question, my kids disagree with me on this one. Like, what do you do with dinosaurs? Yeah. Like, what do you, you people usually say if you hold a creationist perspective? It's the flood right yeah that's when they're you know wiped out or yeah, i mean you, or you could you could argue that dinosaurs couldn't adapt to the environment after the yeah, flood yeah, yeah. Or... so this dip, you know well this nuanced view of you know in the beginning would say you know in this undefined period of time that has already taken place dinosaurs existed this also allows, allows a person to hold for an old creation yep view so when you look at carbon dating things like that i mean i'm getting way out of my league here um but from what little research I have done and reading that I have done. Um, that's how you could hold to a literal perspective, a reading of scripture while still holding an old earth view of the Bible. So, so, so to sort of clarify your point, just in case someone's not tracking. Yeah, sure. The, the, uh, all of creation is made out of nothing, made from nothing, made from nothing. Ex nihilo out okay. of, yep. Um, when you look at the days of creation, you're not seeing that as the days that everything is being made, but how the garden itself is being ordered. Is being ordered. Correct. So you would hold to, so tying into the next point of what are the days, that the days are literal, but they're referring to, to, to Yom is is uh, when you look at the totality of the Hebrew in the Old Testament, Yom generally is a literal 24-7, 24-hour day, 24-7 day, 24-hour day. <laughs> What is he talking about? He doesn't even know how many hours in a day. He doesn't know English, let alone Hebrew. <laughs> um, okay, so you would hold to a literal day. Yeah, I would. But it's about the garden, not all of creation. Right, and and I understand there's some pushback against that, and I am not in a majority view on it. So I acknowledge it, and I acknowledge that um, not everyone who listens will agree with me on that. And I would humbly just say, I'm still learning. Sure. Uh, I love. I actually love reading on this topic. Uh, we'll get into another point here in a moment about intelligent design, how that's really informed how I, how I understand creation and what God's been up to. Um, but yeah, I, I, w- I was con- I was persuaded by some of John Selhammer's arguments in his in his books. Okay. So, yeah. All right. But me, by contrast, you're you hold to a. So I'm also old Earth. So we're both old Earth. Yeah. But I do not think that the days of creation are literal twenty four hour days. Why? Okay, so I have multiple reasons for it. So my main thesis is that it it's not that it couldn't have happened that way. I just don't think that the term day has to mean a 24-hour period. Well, that's a huge point of disagreement because I think it has. I think it almost has to. I do not. Yeah. So one, so you said generally the word yom for day mm. generally means 24 hours, which I would agree with. Yeah. But I don't think it always means that. There's multiple, you know, uh, uses of the term day, like day of wrath, which doesn't necessarily mean an actual 24 hour day. But one of the most compelling things, funny enough, by Wayne Grudem was that he pointed out in Genesis 2, 4, the term day is used to refer to the whole creation week. So here's the pushback on that. When you think about the day of the Lord and the Old Testament prophets, uh, day of wrath, like you mentioned, it's always being qualified. Mm hmm. And so you understand there's maybe even something idiomatic going on here that, that you can all of a sudden not take it literal 24-hour day. Here, you don't have those qualifications. So I would 
say that part of the qualification is I think that the Genesis one in particular is very poetic. Yeah, I would agree with and that. And I think that, so my only thing is like, it doesn't necessitate that a day is literal 24 hours for it being poetic. There's a lot of parallelism between yep, uh, days yep. one through three and four through six. Um, so you're touching on genre here. And that's important because when you get into, say, um, uh, the Psalms, right? You right. Poetry. And there's different um, devices in poetry, especially, especially Hebrew poetry. Very specific, very exact in terms of some of the devices they use for their poetry. Mm-hmm. So I think the point's well taken that you can read uh, Genesis 1 and see the poetic nature of Genesis 1. However, that, that, does, that does not exclude the opportunity that it's actually a literal 24-7 hour, 24-7, 24 hour day. Got it. Mess, can't mess get up it right. my own head, man. Just remember next Sunday, it's morning, not yeah, afternoon. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm screwing up the words. So, I mean, I agree with you. I just don't think it has to be read that way because I don't think Genesis or the Bible is meant to be some sort of scientific type of book. No, I think not that, at all. I think I read Genesis and I think that it's, it's supposed to be theological. Oh, 100%. and so all of its all that Genesis one is saying is that God is the creator of everything. One hundred percent. I don't. I personally don't necessitate the need of a literal twenty four hour. Day. There's nothing you said that I would disagree with in terms of what what the Bible is trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. You know, is it scientific? Is it theological? Of course, it's theological. But that does not mean we can't read some of the other contours of life. You know, from the scriptures. Does it tell us everything we need to know about science? No, of course not. But can we get a good understanding of what what God, the creator of the world, is actually up to and how that took place? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and we'll we'll disagree on you know the exact definition of right. Which, by the way, every creationist is listening to this. Dri- we're driving them nuts. Oh yeah. Oh, so pay both of us. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I, I've given my view, and I'd have to go into a, like it'd be a different podcast just on the day of creation. Yeah. Um, and it's like all of my favorite theologians disagree with both of us. Yeah. Vody Bakum, James White. Uh, I'm pretty sure John Piper, Wayne Grudem. No, John Piper came out in the John Silhammer camp. In your camp? Yeah. Gen- okay. He's the one who's. Well, well he, all he, of my favorite. He's the one who said, What do you believe me? about Genesis? I can't remember. I got to go reference it. And he's like, Go read Genesis Unbound by John Silhammer. And that's how I started reading Genesis Unbound by John oh. Silhammer. Okay, all of my favorite theologians disagree with me. All right, fair enough. Well, we're not going to solve the debate today, but I think we can humbly say, hopefully humbly say, there are a variety of views. Mm -hmm. Um, There are there are nuances of of creation that you know when I get to heaven, I'm going to be wrong on. You Mm -hmm. might be wrong, or I might be right. I don't know, but as it stands what we read here in our confession of faith, we would hold to wholeheartedly. Oh yeah, for sure. Now we're, it's when you get into the weeds a little bit more right. where you're like, okay, what does ex nihilo mean? Is it a literal 24 hour day? Not, mm-hmm. not 27 hour day, 24 hour day. Um, and then he del- delve into the debate of creationism, intelligent ID, intelligent design, excuse me. Um, and then evolution, theistic evolution in particular. And before we go on to that, sure. I actually wanted to point out one more thing that's yeah. in our confession of faith that I really like that he has created everything that's visible and invisible because one thing that, you know, coming right at Colossians one. Right. And it's, but everything that like, so our modern society is very materialistic. All that it exists is really yeah. the things that are tangible that can be sensed by your five senses, but he's created 
other things too that exist outside of our perception. Yeah, I mean, let's just read the text here. For by as Colossians one verses sixteen and seventeen, for by him that him being Jesus, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, mm-hmm. whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Yeah, can you imagine that? Be like, um, everything I created, uh, it's for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's mine. By the way, right? Every square inch of this universe. I think it was Abraham Kuyper had said, is mine. <laughs> you know, it's talking about Jesus mm-hmm. is mine. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And so uh, what you're getting at there is very clear in a passage like uh, Colossians 1. So boom, set point. Set point. No, it's good, man. Boom. Because uh, that's, that's uh, specifically about our confession of faith. So we don't need to delve into this too much, man, but that converse, the debate out there between creationists, intelligent design, and theistic evolution right. rages on. Right. Obviously, theistic evolution is the idea we're going to use evolutionary principles with the understanding that um, it was a designer at work, uh, theist, hence theistic. Right, God guiding, guiding evolution. the evolutionary process, things like yep. that. There are there are many aspects about evolution I wholeheartedly um, reject. Um and despite my view of old earth, I actually disagree with the theistic evolution as well. Yeah. Because I'm just, I'm unconvinced of what's known as macro evolution. Yeah, exactly. Where like one species could evolve into another species. Right. Uh, micro evolution is different. Right. Where changes take place over time within one species and it's contained within that one species. Now, again, I'm way out of my field, um, but that's the best I understand it. And uh, so the micro I would uphold, the macro I would reject. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, and then I would reject, and I think theistic evolution would reject this as well, but this would be a rejection of where we're at with evolution in general, that things were created by chance. Sure. Like, well, how'd that happen? Right. Out of nothing. Yeah. Like, statistically speaking, I'd like to know, like, what are the chances that things were created by chance when there was nothing? Yeah, I would recommend. Like you're, you're better yeah. off believing there was like a god who created it out of nothing. Isn't there like a, a book called like I'm I don't have enough faith to be an atheist? It's kind of built around oh, really? like those chance yeah. that chance of yeah of probability. Yeah, I'm not big into that on statistics, but yeah. I'm just thinking in my head like what a common sense would tell me what has a greater possibility, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then what I think is particularly important with intelligent design we kind of hinted at it is that everything had a purpose yeah like so in general terms you can talk about like ah like nothing had uh nothing was by chance but also like you can apply that personally like i didn't happen by chance right like there's a purpose for us existing and being here so right exactly that's good anything else you want to touch on there for point one no i just said for the creationism i mean i mentioned earlier i'm a big believer in intelligent design Right. Without getting into all the details, like it's just an acknowledgement that science says something about uh, there being a creator. I think one uh, on the topic, I'm going to do more of a book suggestion. Yeah. So I really enjoyed Reasonable Faith by uh, William Lane Craig. I have other disagreements with him, but he has yeah, sure. an excellent section on creationism. Just okay. talking about how like if if gravity was like one times 10 to the power of like 1000 or more if like difference that life couldn't exist yeah. or like there's these different foundational um constants within the universe that if they were even changed on a minute level life doesn't exist yeah. which i think plays into of this idea that 
the world and the universe was fine-tuned to sure. such a degree yeah. that we yeah. could exist. Yeah. Like if the uh, if the rotation of the Earth changed like, you know, like point one or something, it would throw everything off. You know, if the if we were too, too any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. Any farther away, you know, we'd freeze or something like that. Everything or everywhere is Minnesota, yeah, yeah, Minnesota, cold all the time. And then you get to Canada, <laughs> and you're just like, what do we live here for? Sorry, everyone in Canada. Hey, they, Actually, they live close to the U.S. border, yeah. mostly for a reason. Fact, fact check. Hey, check this. People don't realize this that we live in the Twin Cities, right? Right. Farther north than Toronto. Look it up on a map. Really? Yes. So, like, we complain all the time, it's so cold up here, but look up in Canada. Biggest city in Canada, farther south than the Twin Cities. I'm going to have to fact check you. Yeah, do it. I, I was, not now, but... This is not the first time I've said that where someone's like, no way, I'm going to look it up. Oh, you're right. You can look Maybe it up right now, now aren't you? Like yeah, kind of. All right. Go on with the next while point. <laughs> while you're doing that, um, while you're fact-checking me, here are some passages that are important um, in terms of beginnings, right? God created in the beginning. Uh, we have this beginning language in the Gospel of John. You can't help but think that John was reflecting on Genesis. And then obviously he has a, a Greek perspective here because he's bringing in this logos language, word. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, um, was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. All, uh, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him mm-hmm. was not anything made that was made. <laughs> so pretty clear there about yeah. <laughs> really trying to exhaust the things yeah. that were made. Uh, Hebrews one, two, but in these last days, uh, God has spoken to us by his son. So more beginnings language here. Uh, we can go to Job 26 for by his wind, the heavens were made fair. Uh, we can go to Romans one twenty, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, how do we understand that God exists and there's, there's a creator behind everything that exists? Well, you can perceive it in nature, um, in theological terms. Some people don't like the, this language, but we'll just let it stand because it's popular. It's called general revelation, right? Um, which is you know not contrasted with, but another category would be special revelation. You know, God reveals himself generally throughout creation, so we know that He is, isn't, there is a creator behind that, you know. Yeah, or as the presuppositionals would say, like, everyone knows that God exists simply by looking at the world. Right, exactly. So we've got some presuppositional apologetics going on here, yeah. So those those are some key s- scriptures. Now let's go to point two. Do you got that fact check here? Um, I don't have internet. Oh, you're right. So. There's a tease. Go check, fact check yourself. My uh, bad. <laughs> all right. Point. Yeah, we're in the middle. We're literally in the middle of a, co- of a cornfield. Internet's hard to come by. Yeah. Iowa. It's like gold or wood. It's wood, like wood. wood. Yeah. Wood's <laughs> really expensive right now. All right. Point number two. Oh, someone told me. Yeah, oh. Never mind. Go ahead. I'm all right. Tangent. All right. Shoot the rabbit. Point two. Go ahead. This is COVID brain right now. I know, right? <laughs> After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female. He created them with reasonable and immortal souls making them fit for life to god for which they were created they were made in the image of god in knowledge righteousness and true holiness the law of god was written in their hearts along with the power to fulfill it yet there remained a possibility of transgressing god's law since they had liberty of their own will that was subject to change oh man there's a lot here yeah that's i mean it's not even that long of a paragraph but it's just dense with theology. So we're going to pull out some of the highlights here. Mm-hmm. First one you, you can't ignore is that every single human being, how many people? All of them. All of them, every single, were made in God's image. That's actually a really significant point. 
when you look out in the world and you see all the division that exists, mm-hmm. like what greater th- uh, Christian theolo- uh, theological point helps to cut down against the division that exists by saying this about a person that you might not like this person that I might not like is made in God's image as well. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful statement. And, I think. and by that innately, they are um, full of worth yeah. and value value. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's not a single person that has zero value. Yeah. And so that, that, that tempers how we talk to one another, hopefully mm-hmm. it also, it understands your own self-worth. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like, let's say you have a really crummy past and it's, or, and you know, let's say you were told your entire life you're worthless. I've counseled many people, right? Especially, um, women where they were told you are worthless. You know, they were involved in various, um, you know, like, um, I'm thinking about people and, pro- and women who are in prostitution or whatever. They were told their entire lives you're worthless, but that's not what God says about that person or, or every person. Right. You have value. I mean, that is like a mind-blowing revelation. God cares about me. I'm actually, not only does God care, but I'm made in his image. Mm-hmm. It's just a massive revelation, I think. So that's Imago Dei, again, more Latin, because, you know, we like to sound smart. I think, yeah. I think the other point to make regarding the creation of man and woman is that men and women were created same and different. The sameness is tied to the Imago Dei. Right, their value. The value and the dignity that exists and uh, wound up and being an image bearer of God. There are obviously differences between a man and a woman. Yeah, both, of course, physically. Yeah. But also functionally. Functionally as well. Um, Because we see, I mean, you know, God looks at Adam and says, I need to make a helper for him. Mm -hmm. So you immediately see that that distinction in function. The woman's role is that of a helper. And those, and those functions are, are played out in Genesis three after, Mm -hmm. you know, Adam and Eve, they eat the, eat the fruit from the tree. And I think they doled out, God called dolls out consequences. And so even in those consequences, you see some functional differences Mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, childbearing is going to be hard for a woman. Mm-hmm. A man's going to work the earth, and it's going to be hard for him. Um, so a, a man does not give birth to a child, right? No matter what they say. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's going to get us canceled, but we don't care because we're just we, we love. We already God's canceled word. ourselves. We covered that yeah, in a previous okay. podcast. Good call. <laughs> but we're just we just we see this in God's word. It's just so obvious and clear. There's there's two choices: a man and a woman. And obviously, this is pushing in the place of the transgender movement that exists right now. And I don't say that um, in a way that is mean or or hateful, not at all. I mean, we're in the middle of Pride Month, mm-hmm. but I say it with love. Like God is very clear about in it, about about what He's who He's created, mm-hmm. image bearers, and why. I also want to point out that those functional differences you actually see also before the fall. Because some people uh, do try to argue that those functional differences were a result of a fall. But you see when Eve is made and Adam mm. sees her for the first time, he he's the one that actually names her yeah. woman. Just like he has been naming all of the other creatures that God has made. Yeah. I think you start to see that headship that he already has before even the fall takes place. I agree. Uh, Adam is called the work and keep in the garden. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's specifically said to Adam and from God, work and keep. And there is a sense of responsibility and God is wanting Adam to own it and uh, to care for his, you know, to be wife, you know, Eve. 
And so I think that's a good point to draw. And and we acknowledge uh, these days it's not a popular message, right? Nope. I think we can say that. And we welcome those who disagree with us. Uh, our our goal is to be as faithful to the scriptures as possible, believing that this is God's word mm-hmm. um, to us. And he's he's trying to communicate something very specific to us as well. Right. So I and again, it has nothing to do with value. People tie their functions to their values too much. Time. It has nothing to do with yeah, value. Yeah, my wife, she homeschools my kids. Do you, you know, you think she has no value because that's what she does? You see, I mean, I've heard that argument. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Well, pardon me, pardon me. Sean's I mean, about to who's throw the? Down. <laughs> f- I, yeah. Uh, let's get my blood boiling. Yeah, no, that's a good point, man. Um, so we love God's design. And then, so there's a sameness between a man and a woman. It's also some clear distinctions. We can go well outside the creation account to get into those differences as well. Differences within the home, differences within the church. And I would argue because of how a man and a woman is created by God, that has ramifications on how they function just generally in the world, right? Um, as a dude, I function as a dude, you know, when I go get a cup of coffee, when I'm outside the church, when I'm outside the home, you know, when I use those kind of categories. So I think there's uh, clear ramifications for that as well. Uh, some scriptural support. Well, I may add this as well from our from our creation passage here. We're called to enjoy the garden mm-hmm. and enjoy what God has. That's what God initially intended for Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want you to enjoy this. This is for you. You know, if you go back to my creation perspective, like God ordered the garden, you know, for mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, you right. know, and be like, here you go, enjoy the, per- the perfect honeymoon. What's that? Basically like a perfect honeymoon. Perfect honeymoon. Come on, guys. I couldn't get any better for you. Um, I want you to enjoy this. I just got one command. We'll get we'll get to that one, you know, in the next point. One command, don't eat that from that tree, but enjoy everything else. And that's and that's what we're headed back to um when you get to Revelation. Mm-hmm. We're headed back to the garden. Yeah. A garden city. We'll be able to enjoy creation again to yeah. its fullest. And we'll be to its fullest. The full relationship with God as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's aspects that we can enjoy right now. Like, um, you know, obviously Cornfield Theology Podcast from the middle of Cornfields. Actually, when when we get to knee high by 4th of July, which means the corn is knee high. Like after 4th of July, I'm really just, in, I'll, I'll grab a lawn chair and I'll just enjoy God's creation as, mm-hmm. as the sun sets in the West. Because we've got a beautiful, you know, you know, view of the sunset at our house. You can enjoy that. Mm-hmm. There are imperfections, certainly, in the enjoyment. But there will be a day where it will be complete, full, 100%. So some scriptural support, um, some passages that come to mind, Logan. Um, how about this from Ecclesiastes? Uh, See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, um, but they have sought out many schemes. The, the first mm-hmm. part of <laughs> is what I was going for. Um, God made man upright, and then the fall happened. And now we scheme. Yeah, whoopsies. You had one job. Come on, man. Like I would do any better. I know. Everyone's like, if I were there. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, you would have failed just like the first Adam. Uh, for when the, let's get this from uh, Romans 2. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Everyone will be held accountable. Part of that is because of what God has revealed in the creation and mm-hmm. what the human heart 
um, um, intrinsically knows, right? But it is being suppressed. It's kind of one of the points of, of Romans 1. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've seen videos of kids. They, like, steal something that they know that they're not supposed to. Oh, like, yeah. Like, yeah, like, they're looking around, making sure no one saw. They know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyone who's raised kids understands that point. Um, any other thoughts on point two before we get to point number three? I'm like rereading it just to make sure. Well, did the did the coronavirus come from a lab? The, that is not related okay. to point two. <laughs> you keep on sending out rabbits and you're tempting me so much. Just, you know, just I was you know, telling you, you I'm are. happy and you want to bring up news and current events. Um, one actually did want to bring up one more thing, which was uh, the liberty that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are Calvinists. Yeah. So I, we, I'm going to try and say this. I think this is safe. We do not believe in autonomous free will Mm. that we are by nature before Christ. Right. Slaves to sin. Right. But in Adam's case, he never had that sinful nature to begin with. So he was free to choose the good or the Mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. There is some disagreement on that in reform circles. Yeah, there is. I think, and it gets into the whole federalism question as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and those are good conversations. Adam is the representative. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, my, my thought on that is um, scripture, I think, is pretty clear. God gave him one command. The, the presupposition, supposition there is like, okay, you have the ability to disobey that one command. Mm-hmm. And he did. And Eve did. And then I would say that he was derelict in his duty. Mm-hmm. as a husband yep. to shepherd his wife in a loving and gracious way, in a protective mm-hmm. way. And so I think that's in play when we get to Genesis 2 and 3 as well. So I think they had the freedom mm-hmm. to choose, which when you contrast this with Christ, at Christ is the second Adam. And Christ does what the first Adam could not do, which was to follow God to... Do what needs to be done perfectly, mm-hmm. and that is the one of the great revelations of the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get as he leads to the cross, you know. Now you may. All right, I'm going to bring up one more sub point. Yeah, because you mentioned the husband or Adam being derelict in his duty as a husband. Mm-hmm. I wanted to point out that in uh, Genesis three, I'm trying to like read past this. <laughs> yeah, Genesis three six, it mentions that her husband was with her. Yeah. Like she wasn't alone when the serpent right. was tempting. It wasn't like Eve went like, okay, he's asleep. I'm going to go eat the, eat from that tree. tree right. Of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. He was there yeah. and he wasn't being like, honey, we need to stop listening uh, to this serpent. No, he was there and he was complicit. Oh, and 100%. Silent. And then, and then he takes it from her. Yeah. So I just want to highlight is, that's not coming out of nowhere. Like he was just neglectful of his duty. And when you talk about, you know, God creating a man and a woman, this only helps create the perspective that scripture tells us mm-hmm. that when you, when you get into, uh, the husband is the head of the household. Right. And you know, we talk about church and how does church, how does it all function within a church between a man and a woman and all that kind of stuff. You see the kind of the foundations right back in Genesis. Mm-hmm. God entrusted Adam. He failed. Eve failed. And now, guess what? We got Genesis 3, and it's all a hot mess. Yep. And you know, also... You know the dumpster fire meme that's on fire? <laughs> like when it's just kind of going down the river? 
Right. That's right. what we have in Genesis 3. It's like, come on. And also note that it is Adam who is blamed for sin. It, yes, that's another great it point. It is blamed on Adam, not Eve. Yes, that is a great point. It was, when you read throughout the Old Testament and they're reflecting upon the creation account, it wasn't, ha, ah, Eve, how could... Nope. It was Adam. It was Adam. All right. All right, dudes. Point. All right, number, number three. three. Go for it. Read it. Besides the law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And while they kept this command, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the creatures. All right. So what we have going on here is what we call in reform circles and even more specifically in covenant theology Mm -hmm. is God's covenant of works. Right. So we have the covenant redemption, which is kind of this agreement between the father and son about how before creation, before creation, before Genesis one one, before creation, how the, it was going to be the plan of redemption, so the covenant of redemption. Then we get into Genesis, um, sorry, Genesis two. We have this covenant of works. God gives Adam one command: mm-hmm. don't do this, as we've been talking about. And so, let me try to define from R.C. Sproul. Uh, I find this to be a helpful definition of what a covenant works is, because I'm guessing for some people that might be new terminology. Right. Right. Uh, covenant of works refers to the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve in their pristine purity before the fall. So before Genesis three in which God promised them blessedness contingent. Talk about earlier about your ability to choose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam and Eve ability to choose blessedness contingent upon their obedience to his command. After the fall, the fact that God continued to promise redemption to creatures who had violated the covenant of works uh, that ongoing promise of redemption is defined as a covenant of grace. So at the tail end there, um, Sproul is just bringing in this idea, okay, in light of the covenant of works being broken, we now have instituted this covenant of grace. When you get to Genesis 3.15, when um, he shall bruise your heel, but he shall bruise your head. The seed of the woman the will bruise the, the head of the serpent. Yes, thank you. We have that as the, as the beginning of the covenant of grace. Mm-hmm. That's in play. Because the promise of the Savior was made immediately after the fall. Right. And that's right. The grace. Yep, exactly. And so you read the Old Testament, including including the law. Yeah. And you so, understand that as a covenant of grace. Yeah, I personally need to work through that because yeah. I have a hard time seeing the law as a covenant of grace. Yeah, well, I'll leave, the, I'll leave you to work on that. But I'm convinced that the law is is a part of the covenant of grace. And it's not a... Uh, like, a, like a, a redoing of the covenant of works from Genesis 2. So more on that later. Maybe that's a podcast. We'll put a pin in it for now. So uh, one scriptural support that's worth noting here. And the Lord God commanded the man, this is from Genesis 2, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you shall eat of it and you shall surely die. die. Dun, dun, dun. And what happened after he ate from it? He did not immediately die. He not immediately die, but he will he surely die. die. He, yeah, spiritual death, no doubt. And then he did die later. And then he did die later. So uh, that's a bit of our confession of faith. Anything you want to touch upon here, Logan? I think the last part is is kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, it is. So that's a little bit of... It's hard to top sprawl. Like when you quote sprawl, where yeah, am I supposed to go from there? Yeah, no joke. It's like, oh, great. Who do we quote now? Piper? You know, or... Who's your other reform guy? Uh, Spurgeon. Spurgeon, yeah. Everyone, no one really hates on Spurgeon. 
what, what I find is that like, no matter who you quote, like everyone's like, oh, I don't like that person for that reason. It's like, yeah, whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, so you want to tell me, did the uh, coronavirus come from the Wuhan lab or from a bat? Why not both? Hmm. Controversial. Just keep doing uh, conspiracy theories. All right. Well, that's it for now, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully that was helpful for you. Hopefully that was enriching for you. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I'm just so in, in wonder of is the fact that God created me yeah. Yeah. and you. Right. Or just that he created it all because he really didn't have to. No, he did not. Because he didn't, he didn't need creation. That's one thing we also need to understand. He did not need to create. He wasn't yeah. lonely. Yeah. <laughs> like he existed in perfect harmony, love, peace, all in eternity past. And we're created for his glory. And we're created for his glory. I think sometimes people kind of like, there's, there's some, as, as our friends Brooks would say, evangelism. Evangeli, yeah. Am- evangelism uh, or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like, Jellyfish you know, God species. created me for me. <laughs> nope. Sorry. <clears throat> sorry. As Matt Chandler famously said at a particular sermon, you're not David. This ah. Bible's not about you. The Bible's not about you. I think he went back on that, but I'd have to look it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I don't people, care if he went back on I still agree with him on that. <laughs> I agree with him then. Yes. Uh, and I think we also need to, like, people also push back on them, like, oh, God is so selfish that he wants to glorify himself. Who else is he supposed to glorify? Yeah, no joke. Like, who else is worthy of glorification? Yeah. No, no one. one. <laughs> Absolutely no one. And so when we look at creation, I think God created it for us to enjoy, mm-hmm. right? I think that is awesome. Like you can look at the Grand Canyon, you know, say you go on vacation, go out west, just get on Interstate 80 and start going west to Colorado from where we're at. And you get to the Grand Canyon and you're like, whoa, this is know, awesome. This is awesome. You know, that means God is awesome. That means, yeah, exactly. You can go to the Himalaya mountains and be like, yeah. whoa, or whatever. Or, or I'm reminded of uh, John Piper's blog post about how to uh, drink orange juice to the glory of God. Yeah. Orange juice is part of creation. Yeah. It was created for God's glory. Yeah. Amen. How do you glorify God in drinking orange juice? By enjoying it and thanking him. Yeah. No, that's true. That is absolutely true. And so hopefully that puts us in a state of humility too. Mm-hmm. Um, but also um, a posture of praise. A state of humility, a posture of praise. So may that be the case for you, for those who are listening at all the various outlets or watching online on YouTube. They, they may censure us, you know, at some point here. Nah, they have bigger fish they to fry. They do have bigger fish to fry. They ain't looking at us. No. <laughs> no. Who are those guys? Nobodies. Where are they at? Middle of the cornfields. Oh. Okay. Well, moving on. Right. Not wasting my energy. But we're thankful. Please uh, like, share, give comments. We love receiving feedback. I know that we said some things that uh, maybe off the beaten path a little bit and in some evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we're just trying to think well about the Bible. We're trying to think well as, as pastor theologians, right? Uh, Logan, you've gone, you graduated seminary. I'm now a pastoral resident at our church. Uh, for myself, I want to think theologically well. Um, that's how I want to lead our church well, mm-hmm. through thinking well about theology, in particular creation, as it pertains to this particular podcast. Because you can never hurt yourself by thinking about the Bible. Nope, never hurt yourself. And, and, and frankly, frankly, in a culture where we have the, that evangelism going on, like pastors aren't thinking deeply about theology. Which is why I love having a confession of faith that is very deep in terms of, mm-hmm. its, of its theology, right? I think it's really important. So uh, we push ourselves as much as we're able um, to think well, so, by God's grace.
So thanks everyone. Please like, share, comment, do all the relevant things for us. Help us get the word out about this particular podcast. We love to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And like I just said, we love to think deeply about God's word. So until next time, this is Sean and that's Logan for Cornfield Theology. Peace out. Deuces. There, I copied you. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.